Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profit. I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And back with me after I carried the team through the weekend here is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on, man? How you been? Not too bad. I wish I could have been here over the weekend. That was... uh... I would have much rather been recording an episode with you than being stuck at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have lost about 45 minutes of recording time too, to the, uh, the recording gods and my, uh, the dog here. <laughs> or if you did lose it on the positive side, I would have had the video. So we could have just used that. True. We don't uh, just keep him around here for his good looks, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, handles all this technology shit for us. <laughs> um, so you basically called this meeting due to your schedule. <laughs> no, a Tuesday is our regular recording day, or at least it should be. If I had, um, as I was complaining before we actually uh, went live here, if I had a, a, an official setup and a real good schedule that I could control the whole thing, which I don't really have right now for the next uh, couple of months, we would be uh, a lot more regular with our broadcasts, but um, usually we go Tuesdays and, um, you said you did, ha- you get a chance to listen to the episode that I did. And I think you wanted to follow up on some of that. So we can just dive right into it because th- this story is still all over most of the headlines I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. The Joe Rogan versus washed up musicians who most people didn't even realize were still alive is my favorite this is my favorite season of COVID so far. This is, it is, it has turned wild and I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, he's fighting a, a multiple front war now because now he's got musicians coming after him. He's still got the corporate press and uh, you know, politicians are, are piling on now too. He's uh he's fighting a multi-front war and he's going to win. There's like no doubt about it, which is, it's so fucking awesome to watch these people just melt down over his success and how many people enjoy his podcast. And uh, we've got some, we've got some clips to to play later in the show again, but um, you want to talk about the market reaction and some of the stories that, that we're talking about Spotify stock in light of this story breaking. Yeah, that was so it was uh, it was really funny to watch the reaction to to Neil Young saying that he was having his stuff taken down from Spotify, and then the market, like the market, was already in a 
a dip for the week anyway and has been trending that way for I mean, you pay a lot more attention to it than I did, other than I do. But like the market has been trending in this like downward direction for a couple months now. And Spotify in particular has been trending like they they just go with the market. They, Spotify doesn't really have any particular indicators that you would look at. So Spotify is also on the way down. And uh, like, like, yeah, okay, that Spotify lost $2 billion supposedly, uh, I guess, last week, which if you looked at the way the, the market was trending at that time, yeah, obviously. But then if you turn around and look at it yesterday and today, it's back up past the point that it was before it started the the drop last week. So the, the people who the people who rail on uh, things impacting the market that have nothing to do with what the market is doing, they can't look past the last two or three days of trading. And even even if they did, they don't know what the fuck they're looking at. Like it's it's hilarious. Who was this? Uh, Rosanna Arquette. It's not even a good Arquette. Couldn't we get a Patricia or? A, Weird. yeah yeah well I, I so i have the chart up of spotify here and you can see i think this goes this goes back to uh february of last year and it's been in a pretty big downward move here had a little bit of a false breakout um up to 300 at late october last year but all this year i mean this was the worst january i think to start the year off uh stock market wise ever um, if not ever, it's like really close to being the worst January. And I mean, look at, this is basically the last year from about, this is December here. Oops, I lose my thing. So here we are in December. And the, okay. So this is the last couple of months. And then you get one big down move last week, which the whole market was down here. And everything was down last week. Like it was just a, a bloodbath in all stocks, even, you know, like the, the so-called safe, like gold got hammered, silver got hammered, momentum stocks got hammered, cryptos got fucking hammered. Everything was down. And what, yeah, what drives me crazy about these, um, uh, these talk shows, the, you know, the, the, the CNBCs of the world, they're just as bad at reporting on the markets as the mainstream corporate press is reporting on the news. They, they see something happen and then they have to come up with some story to tell you an explanation as to why. And usually they have no fucking idea why. It's just like, ooh, markets are down. What happened today? Oh, Neil Young said he was pulling his music off of Spotify. That must be why they're down 15% today. <laughs> it's just like, good. While game. they are exclusively looking at Spotify and not paying attention to the fact that literally the entire market is is trending right. that way this week. <laughs> yeah. And we also had the Fed come out and talk about you know rising interest rates, um, ending the quantitative easing, shrinking their balance sheet, all of that is going to crush these markets. And, you know, it's, uh, it's very fucking humorous to people who, who follow this stuff. And like you were talking, I think you want to go into the whole soybean story in a second. Yeah. My, uh, you know my what's going on. Yeah. The, the, their explanations for these things are always wrong. And it's usually why I don't, I don't tr trade on news or, or fundamentals or anything. I look at the chart and the chart is going to be, um, 
it's going to lie to you a lot less than the, the people on TV. I'll put it that way. So that was, that's my, my hillbilly segment for the week was when I was doing a lot of soybean trading and stuff, or in the grain business and did a lot of corn and soybean and wheat trading and stuff like that and watching the market trends and stuff. It, it, it operates a lot differently than the stock market because there is a lot of a supply and demand side of it more so than speculative side of it. Um, especially now there was some, there was some speculation in wheat and soybeans for, for a period in the early two thousands, but that kind of fell off because of the volatility of, uh, of those markets. But several years ago in, in like 20, it was either 17 or 18, but Trump had a spat going with China and there was talks that China was, uh, withdrawing soybean contracts. And then the market started to go down. And so then everything that the mainstream media was running with was how Trump and his spat with China was killing the American farmer because they were all going broke because their soybeans were, uh, the price of their soybeans were going down. Well, number one, nobody sells their beans on the, on the board. Like you're, you, you pre-contract that stuff out. So the, unless you're just a really shitty farmer. So any farmer, any farmer who had soybeans that they were going to sell, they had already sold them by that point when the market was higher. Like you don't wait until, because that was coming up on harvest. And traditionally as harvest approaches, the market takes a dive in anticipation of harvest beginning. Also, that is a big exporting part of the year for Brazil, who's like the second largest exporter to China on the planet. So you've got, and and so that's part of what the Chinese contracts were about was because they were trying to finish filling Brazilian contracts. So you've got the Brazilian contracts coming in, harvest getting ready to start. And then you also had the USDA had released a the uh, acreage report, which was showing like a massive increase of soybean acres from the year before. So like you have this perfect firestorm of the right time of year where all of these things kind of happen and you got the reports coming out right that it forced the market to go down. So anybody like me that looks at the technicals of that and understands how that market ebbs and flows, like, okay, yeah, Trump and China are spatting, but that really has virtually nothing to do with the soybean market tanking right now. Yeah. But, you know, the average person who's watching the news and even honestly, even the average farmer who's watching the news, they don't do, they don't see the technicals of that. They don't, they don't do trading on a day-to-day basis. So, so a lot of them think the same thing. <laughs> they, they think that Trump and Trump's fighting with China and now it's causing soybeans to go down because we export so much to China when really it had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was just a coincidence of the market and the time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And especially on like an individual stock um, or commodity chart or whatever, it's usually more than one thing that that's causing the market to move. Like before you take a trade, you usually want to have a couple of indicators. You know, we usually refer to it as building a case for your trade or for entry or for exits. Like, okay, if A, B, and C happens, then I'm going to do D because that's like, you know, three indicators that I'm right about what's going to happen. It's not just like one little story. Uh, Yeah. And let's, uh, I mean, I've been, every chart in these markets just looks really bad to me right now. Um, See if I can 
pull up. A, I think I had a chart of the Dow here for a second. Let's see if I can still pull it up. Yeah, I was looking at uh, I was looking at the Dow yesterday. It's pretty. It's in pretty rough looking shape and yeah, has been. So, um, just let me get rid of this Fibonacci indicator here. We're not like I said, it has yet. been for the whole year. Like it, this started started at the end of January or at the end of December. Like it's been right. Yeah, every yeah. Th so this is basically the month of January here. This big move down, but if you can see, we're sitting on this sort of uh, structural shelf here, which did hold, sort of like right there. Now that held that held with this this big dip down that we just had, and we're they're bouncing up against it. Uh, bounced off of it but man they got a ways to go to make a new structure high here and we did violate structure to the downside here so um and it wasn't just all from the the fed meeting last week or talk talk you know this everything's been running out of steam and you can see that this parabolic rise that we had here if you want to go all the way back so like this down here was what the beginning of covid this big dip down and it's just there's nothing but air if you look at this chart, if this level around uh, was at 33,750, 800, whatever, if that level doesn't hold, there is nothing, <laughs> there is no support in this entire market. And uh, things could get pretty ugly pretty fast. But and say for people who don't understand like charts and, and looking at markets, like anybody that's watching the video looking at that, like that's, that's kind of fucking scary. Like there's, the markets are not supposed to move that direction or move that way, especially in the economic climate that we're in right now. Like that's right. Yeah. They just, it doesn't make any sense. You can't trade fundamentals in this environment where if you think back to COVID, we shut down the entire fucking world. Nobody was working. Nobody's producing anything. And markets are going higher than ever. We're making new all time highs throughout this entire pandemic. It just and companies are, you know, their their stock price is going through the fucking roof and it's based on nothing, like literally nothing. Um, er, nothing makes sense from a fundamental perspective. So that's like I was talking about the uh, the minimal amount of speculative type of trading that goes on with with the commodity markets uh, back in the early 2000s. Uh, two oh four oh five oh six somewhere in that time frame some some big uh like hedge fund types got involved in the commodity markets specifically in wheat trading and it ran the price of wheat through the roof for a number of years like wheat was selling at anywhere from seven to ten dollars a bushel which is just fucking insane like it's like a lot in, yeah in my life four or five dollars a bushel is about the right price for wheat. If you touch six, like that's getting kind of high. It was going like eight, nine, 10 consistently because these funds were pushing the price up. So, so then you've got all of these farmers growing all this wheat and wheat is not hard to grow. And there, there were already surpluses. So like for, for my side of that business, I was working in grain elevators. So we didn't have any interest in buying it. Like all the, all of our, customers were wanting to plant a bunch of wheat and sell a bunch of wheat because the price was through the roof and we had no interest in buying it. Like we, we would actively be turning down contracts because we got nowhere to put it. We got nothing to do with it. Like, please, for the love of God, stop fucking growing wheat. We don't want it. And like, so that's kind of a, you know, when you see this market going like that, it, it makes me think of the wheat market. Like there's nothing there to support that. Uh, it shouldn't be, 
it shouldn't be trending like that because there's no uh, there's no foundation to that. Uh, the it's just yeah that it's and it's and like for the wheat thing, the wheat did eventually. I think it was in 2011 or 12. If uh, yeah, it was about five years of that. Uh, the funds really pushing it before I think one of them. I think one of them really got caught on a bad year when uh, when the market tanked naturally because of weather conditions and stuff. And uh, I think they realized the volatility of that and stopped fucking around with it. But it, it finally leveled back out and now it's back to like normal, normal levels. But man, it was like, it was really bad. And you would see it swing really hard from day to day, which commodity markets don't typically do. Like you don't get massive up and down swings in beans and, and especially in soybeans and wheat. Like they're pretty consistent. Uh, so when that was because they're grown all over the world and there's, you know, massive supply everywhere. So, you know, they, they tend to stay pretty flat. So when stuff starts like really going up and down and getting nuts like that, like there's something, there's something bad. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be long on any of that because the bottom's going to fall out at some point because there's no structure to it. And it, it can't sustain that long-term. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it can stay irrational for a lot longer than you expect it to, especially when you have the Fed just pumping in trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars every time there's a little bit of a dip. But yeah, I mean, nothing goes up like that forever. It's, you know, it's a parabolic rise and the bottom can drop out of it real fast. Uh, you know, we don't give trading advice on here, but there is that old saying, you know, bears make money, bulls make money, pigs get slaughtered. Uh, we've had a really nice run up here. You might want to might want to think about taking some profits. Um, but anyway, back to the uh, the whole Joe Rogan thing. I really just there have been just unbelievably pompous fucking news stories on CBS and also CNN. They they just will not. They don't get it. And I don't know if they they're just too dug in to change their ways now or what it is but they're, they're digging their heels in they're they're still saying that you know not only is this misinformation but they're uh the joe rogan listeners are less enlightened like they're, they're these like elites that know what's best for us i i could not it, it's like it's like the whole trump thing where Everybody, everybody, you know, on the left or even in the middle, all these independents would look down at Trump supporters as these just like fucking backward racist hillbillies that don't know what's best for them, don't know how to run their life. Like we have to, you know, we have to vote our guys in to show them, show these like, you know, retards how to live their lives. And they couldn't possibly be smart enough to make their own decisions. And it's just that kind of attitude is what exactly what fucking fosters the Trumps of the world and the alternative media, the Joe Rogans, uh, which is much preferable, to, much more preferable to Trump. But it's like this is why they're going over there because of these fucking pompous pricks on CBS. Let's uh, let's play. And like, this. is it is it any wonder that like the two biggest shows in media right now are rogan and then tucker carlson <laughs> but but then you get the cnn's of the world that and yeah the brian stelters and don lemons and all of these that think that 
it's because it's because of uh rampant racism or something is why everybody watches or listens to rogan and watches uh tucker and ignore the fact that maybe it's because y'all do a really shit job of reporting the news and these are the sources that are actually talking about stuff in a meaningful way it's like it's sort of like the market like they're stuck in these bubbles and they just don't get it they don't understand what is motivating these people what is happening and why they are drawn to these alternative stories and these alternative sites and if they would just look in the mirror and listen to themselves i think you'd get a better idea of why people are so uh disenfranchised with these fucking news sites I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. And I know Justin just left me for some reason. I'm sure he'll be back in a second. But um, I think I, I got a I got a clip queued up here that I can play. Oh, sweet. Um, our favorite little piggy, <laughs> Brian Stelter, CNN. Um, I think we have two of these clips. You haven't heard these, right? Mm-mm. All right. You get I, 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 I actively avoid seeing his face. Like if I can, if I can not listen to him talk or see him, I just try not to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get a lot of this except what makes the, uh, the rounds on the internet because I don't have like cable out here. So I don't, I don't watch TV anymore, but I found these were like really unbelievable. So let's give these a listen and you get to react in real time. Captain, you wrote on Twitter about Spotify. You went viral for a comment about it yesterday. Tell us your point of view first about this Spotify mess, because it's really dominated the week. Yeah, you know, what I think is interesting about the backlash against Spotify vis-a-vis Joe Rogan is that, um, you know, people are fundamentally angry about not being able to stop his audience from wanting news that is bad for them, uh, you know, wanting something that's bad for them. So, you know, we're all haunted by the specter of this guy who's listening to Joe Rogan and internalizing this bad information and making bad choices as a result. But Rogan is like a weed that sprang up outside the mainstream media ecosystem. And he thrived there and he has this huge audience. And that's what's really scary that Spotify could kick him off tomorrow and it wouldn't make a dent. It wouldn't make a dent in his audience. People would still listen to him. And crucially, they still wouldn't trust more mainstream media sources. And I think that's what's really, really frightening to people. Oliver, do you agree? Okay. So I mean, she seems she seems to get it. I mean, that's yes, that's the point. <laughs> she she does make a good point there at the end that you can't stop this. You can't stop it from having, but they never seem to ask why. Why did this weed spring up? And why are people so angry that um, that Joe Rogan's listeners don't want to like let you help them become more enlightened and listen to what's what's best for them? It, oh my God, I don't know. What, what, what were your thoughts from from listening to the, whoever this lady is? I mean, at least she got kind of to the point of it that like you could cancel Rogan tomorrow and whatever platform he goes to they're going to instantly have 20 million downloads on the next episode probably more regardless of who the regardless of who he has on the show like his his audience will travel and and they will follow him wherever and it's growing the more they try to cancel him the more the audience grows like yeah i mean the the only they they're getting that part of it right but they're still not 
looking at what did we do to drive people to this point? Like, why are people seeking out alternative sources of of news and, and media and stuff like that? And yeah. she just has that face that she looks like she would be a terrible lay. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, there is zero self-reflection in any of these people. I couldn't imagine seeing CNN numbers. I think there was like 700,000 for CNN's like biggest show or something like that. Or maybe it was this one. I don't know. 700,000. I saw that number somewhere. Joe Rogan's at 11 million on average. Looking right, at those on numbers, average. Yeah. Looking at those numbers and not looking be like, what is he doing that we're like that we're missing here? Like, why are they not listening to me? And they're listening to him. We have to be doing something wrong because we used to have much bigger numbers. Now we don't. Uh, you you want to look internally a little bit, look in the mirror, try to figure out what the root of this problem is and maybe make some adjustments. No, 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 no. Here's what we want to do. The next clip is, is my favorite. People who are listening to Joe Rogan's podcast don't necessarily believe it to be bad information. So uh, there was an analogy drawn between Doritos and Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, people know that Doritos are not necessarily good for them. Uh, that you're not going to find a nutritional expert who says, you know, you should eat a lot of Doritos. But there are a lot of people who listen to Joe Rogan's podcast who believe that he's actually the, the truth teller. They, they believe the opposite, that, that Joe Rogan is good for an informational diet. And I think that's what's so important is that the people who are listening to him don't believe it to be bad information. So it, it's difficult, I guess, for them to make that, uh, that choice, that good choice, uh, of uh, consuming information when they, they think that the, the, the podcast hosting people with anti-vaccine rhetoric is really the, uh, the truth-telling podcast. Kat, you made the Doritos reference. I, I rather liked it. What do you say to Oliver? Um, I mean, I think that it just ultimately comes down to the question of how do you want to solve this? You know, and that's sort of where the analogy comes in. You know, here's people who, you know, they like something that we, you know, who consider ourselves more enlightened, don't think is good for them. Um, you know, we think that they're internalizing this misinformation, that they're using it to make bad decisions. Um, but if you took away Joe Rogan by deplatforming him, just as if you, you know, took away Doritos, would, would they seek out better information? Would they seek out, you know, like a podcast like New York Times The Daily or, you know, could they start reading the Wall Street Journal? I don't know. I, I think that that's sort of the fundamental question here. So it does seem like increasingly this is this completely alternative media ecosystem that has to be understood. And it's, it is that Rogan media ecosystem. And you're saying those listeners are not going to go over to some more, some one of, you know, they're not going to read the Associated Press if Rogan disappears. So you're, I, I feel like what Kat, you're saying is just taking a more realistic approach to this whack-a-mole of, of the bands. Yeah, you know, I, I just think that providing as much information as possible is, you know, in the hopes that it will eventually get to the people who need it, providing as much good information as possible is probably a better bet than trying to, you know, shut down somebody who's already got a massive popular platform, um, you know, from reaching the people who are going to seek him out no matter what. In, in the case of somebody like Mouse, you've got this Tennessee school district, you know, quietly doing something. Okay, yeah, so... Um... First of all, I love the fact that the, the first guy that was speaking was shitting all over that Doritos analogy because people don't actually think, I mean, I didn't see her talking about the Dorito analogy, but I think I get it. You know, it's like people eat Doritos, they know they're bad for them, but they want them anyway. And he was saying that that's a bad analogy because people actually believe that Joe Rogan is healthy for them. And so they seek it out. And 
it's a he shits all over the analogy and Brian South is like I thought the Doritos was a good analogy what you came up with it you want to explain why? obviously Brian uh, Seltzer is a big Doritos fan yeah right I, I, I mean she she does seem to understand that you can't you can't stop this thing in this game of whack-a-mole so they need a more comprehensive approach to silencing silencing all of the the misinformation out there once again no explanation as to what he's been wrong about. Um, Amet, I, I really hope there's somebody out there that's putting together a montage of Joe Rogan clips versus Brian Stelter and Fauci and all this shit. Just like back to back, boom, 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 boom. Put put their fucking track record up against each other. It'd be no, they're hilarious. not they're not doing that. What they're what they're actually doing is putting together a montage of Joe Rogan saying the the n word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, with it really no context is. like just did, did you watch that that clip that that person put together i uh, i did not see that no <laughs> it's it like there's zero context if i i even actually remember at least that a couple of the episodes that that they pulled those from uh just from like watching them and <laughs> like there actually is a much larger cultural conversation that's going on in these episodes and this Correct. person just went through and clipped out him saying the n-word <laughs> right like well that's i mean that but that's how these fucking news shows operate in these little like 30 second soundbite segments they're trying to solve the immigration issue in a minute and 45 seconds and they have a panel of three people and everybody talks for 20 seconds it, nobody likes that anymore it's old it's played out it's been ineffective and here comes a guy, Joe Rogan, who's having three hour long conversations with very, you know, um, very successful people in their fields, not just in science, but in other. And these are like top of the fucking mark people who have been doing this. You know, they're at the, you know, the precipice of their fucking industry or whatever, the height of their industry. Right. And it's not like the people that Rogan is. Yeah, it's not like the people that Rogan is talking to are like some fringe weirdos that that are barely getting by. Like Peter McCullough is the most published doctor on the planet. Robert Malone holds the patent for multiple mRNA technologies. Like it's not like these are people who are you know running a clinic out in the middle of nowhere trying to feed people horse pace. Like these are well-respected, well-known at the top of their field. Like Malone talked about it when COVID first started to happen. Uh, the CDC and and uh, the other like health departments were contacting him and telling him to get his team together because they saw it coming and they knew that they needed to start prepping to combat this. Like they don't just contact him if he's some fringe dumbass who doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And, but that's not how the media plays it out. They they absolutely say these are fringe people that should not be, you know, they're not they're not in the mainstream. They're not in the consensus. Therefore, you shouldn't listen to them. Hey, guys, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Lorenzotti Coffee. You know them well by now. They are our oldest and longest running sponsor. We love these guys. We love their premium Italian coffee that they deliver right to your door. So do yourself a favor. Get your morning started right with the taste of freedom. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use promo code 
code FICTION so they know I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your order. That's Lorenzotti, L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee, promo code Fiction. Get all of your coffee and coffee supplies from these guys. And not only are they fans of the show, but they've gone above and beyond the call of duty as a sponsor. So go order some coffee, order an espresso machine, get a coffee grinder, do it all at Lorenzotti.coffee, promo code fiction. All right. Which is just, God damn, you know, we read through all of these fucking, these periods of history where the fringe science was the one saying like the earth wasn't the center of the universe and shit like that and now we look back and we laugh at everybody that was fucking locking those people in cages and burning them at the stake and having them fucking poisoned and yet here they are these are the people they're the one they're the fucking brian stelters of the world it's fucking unbelievable to watch in real world and not see people make these connections and then she put put together her list of the the news sources that people should be going to and of everything on that list the only one that might be half as decent from time to time was the wall street journal all the all the rest of them have been like associated press (laughs) yeah that's the associated press like new york times every other every other source that she listed as the alternatives that people should be getting their news from as opposed to Joe Rogan and the podcast culture thing were the ones who have consistently been proven to just lie about everything all the time. Yeah. Or, and they just have, they have such an obvious agenda and then people can are starting to see through it in millions. And uh, Joe Rogan's agenda is usually to just figure out what's going on. Like he's curious about a topic. He wants to get this person's perspective. He's not coming at it with, you know, from one angle and trying to hammer this home and propagandize you. He's just talking to somebody. And he doesn't prescribe solutions to any of these problems. And, and honestly, neither do the people that he's talking to. They, they explain things and they rationalize it and they talk from their perspective of what their expertise is and where they are in the, like, in their field of study and what they've been doing with these different things. Like they talk about the things that they know, but they're not prescribing some solution to everything. And and Joe Rogan especially isn't like when he got criticized for the ivermectin thing, he wasn't on his Instagram telling people go load up on ivermectin. He was saying, I got sick. This was the treatment that we went with and I got better. Like he did, there was no telling anybody anything. And ivermectin was one of like a a litany of drugs that he took. You know, he didn't just say like, I got better because ivermectin It's like, no, he's one of five things I took. We threw the kitchen sink at it and I feel good. And God forbid you should feel good after taking ivermectin. They will. And the entire mainstream media owes him a massive apology since this study that came out of uh, Japan is showing that in uh, what was it in phase three trials and stuff, they are finding that ivermectin is an extremely effective treatment for covid yes <laughs> against the- um, against omicron and all other mutant strains of covid-19 so yeah the you know the the um the vaccine which is completely inept against omicron and had you know waning effect against all of these new it, it seems like with each new strain it becomes less and less effective and Omicron is just the most recent one to just fucking embarrass this vaccine. And lo and behold, it's the one thing that 
the Brian Stelters of the world have been telling you not to take this entire time turns out to be a relatively effective therapeutic, according to this Japanese study, according to what that, that fucking city in India that had like an unbelievable success story using it. Um, and yeah, I wish I was in Africa. It, it really is just unbelievable. I got one more clip though. I think we should listen to on this Rogan thing real quick. Let me pull this up. Oh God. Yeah. This one, this one was like, uh, well, this one, they actually gave you, they gave you the facts. They flash a chart for like four and a half seconds. And so you can see what the, what the facts really are when it comes to vaccines. So hang on. Uh, they only flashed the chart because they realized that what they put up wasn't, <laughs> right. wasn't saying what they, what yeah. they were trying to. So let me just share with our viewers, some of the actual numbers. The CDC says unvaccinated adults are 68 more times at risk of dying than fully vaccinated and boosted adults. Check these out. Hospitalization rates for the unvaccinated, that number shoots up as high as 90 people for every 100,000. Mm -hmm. So those are the numbers. So Robert, those are the facts. Those are the facts. And, and I just facts, right out that when I had a conversation with Nils yesterday, he and I asked him and said, you know, some are saying that you're trying to censor Joe Rogan. He's very clear. He believes in the First Amendment. He believes that Joe Rogan and anybody else has a First Amendment right to say whatever they want. He says he doesn't want his music, his artistry associated with the platform that would allow Mr. Does he say other artists will follow suit? He's talking He's talking to a lot of artists. We don't have any names yet, but we'll see. I mean, th these musicians are not going to win this battle. Uh, right. You have a First Amendment right to say what you want. You don't have a First Amendment right to appear on a platform as large as Spotify. That's the issue. Joe Rogan is correct that the medical world gets stuff wrong, but there's a process by which the medical world corrects itself. And that process is not interviewing guys on the fringe of the medical world on your massive platform. That's called irresponsible. It's not yeah. censorship. Right. Editors are not censors. They're ensuring quality. The other problem, too, is people say, well, just turn it off. You don't have to listen to it. The thing is, a lot of people do listen to it and they're getting false incorrect information and that's why it seems so dangerous and it yes. matters who's reached yes yes he, he just says he's having a conversation and that's what joe rogan will say yeah, but it's, a, a, it's a life or death issue that's why it's yes. in a special category it's not an opinion about space or something well we have some facts coming up dr david agus will join us to answer your questions about covid we'll be right back so okay um a couple things the the process by which science uh adapts and, and figure stuff out, right? Apparently that's not, you know, you don't have people on your podcast to discuss what's going on with the people that created the technology for the vaccine, or like you said, the most published author in this field or anything like that. Apparently the way that you um, evaluate and, and improve on the science and everything is just like a bunch of bobbleheads, just chant out, trust the science, trust the science, the science is settled. And you, you, I guess you look to your politicians and the, and the, you know, mindless bureaucrats of Dr. Fauci's of the world to just tell you what the science is and you don't question anything. That's not how science gets settled. That's not how things get figured out. You just have one guy with a fucking bullhorn blurting out truth, you know, Dr. Truth science. This is the way it is and you can't question it and I'm not wrong and just listen and repeat after me. That apparently is how things get figured out. Did you happen to see on their chart where where were they getting that that information or those numbers for the I couldn't, they flashed it so fucking fast. Maybe we can go back and just pause it and look at it. But first of all, so the unvaccinated thing is a completely flat line, which that's got to be bullshit because there's been so many more people vaccinated. You know what I mean? Like 
if you start out with like, you have a hundred people vaccinated and you've got 150 million people vaccinated. No, the percentage hasn't gone up at all. It hasn't gone up at all. Even with Omicron hasn't gone up at all. It's just this flat line across the bottom. And I believe they're not making the distinction between people that were hospitalized due to COVID and then with COVID. Um, they never make that distinction. Right. And so it's just like, I don't know, we, we could take another look at that, but they flashed it so fast. And that, that's how they go over the facts. Here's a chart real quick. Look at this line. It's way up there. Like they could have just drawn that. I have no idea where those numbers are coming well, from. Well, and like, you know, my, my thing is being the fact checker. Like I'm just going through like perusing CDC numbers and, and it looks like the, like wherever they pulled these stats from CDC numbers pretty consistently show anywhere from 14 to, you know, depending on the, the week in the reporting cycle, anywhere from 14 to 40% higher uh, hospitalizations amongst the, the vaccinated than, than the unvaccinated. But, and I, I mean, this is just like a generic ass chart. It doesn't cite where the statistics came from or anything. Uh, the, like we talked about the last time we did a, uh, an episode together. Like if you presented this in a research paper that you did in college, they would ask you where the fuck the numbers came from and why you haven't sourced, sourced anything. I mean, you, as far as I know, like if I'm, if I'm the professor grading this paper, as far as I know, you came up with these numbers out you know, off the top of your head. Like you just pulled it out of your ass and went with it. Especially when you look at this vaccinated line running across the bottom that doesn't seem to show any level of spike. Uh, that has been proven to be completely wrong. So yeah. like, not only is it not like anywhere near the unvaccinated, but it doesn't spike when the other one spikes. I mean, it just looks really suspicious. Well, let, let's uh, let's follow up on the next episode. You can fact check this chart. COVID associated hospitalizations by vaccine status in adults. And this is apparently from the CDC. Um, I find this very hard to believe, but we will we will do a fact check on this to see all the holes in this chart. Um, it, it just, it looks way too unbelievable to me, but I just like how they flash it in like two and a half seconds. There's no explanation. Just those are the facts. Here they are real quick. If you blinked, you fucking missed it. And it, I don't know, man, they, they just drive me fucking crazy. Um, they, they're super fucking pompous on this. And yep, I, I think they're just going to drive more and more people um, towards the Joe Rogans of the world, which it, it, is a great thing, in my opinion. There is something that that I kind of hinted at with the the soybean thing and talking about that. Like uh, other than the the really inside baseball type people who are into the market, like even the average farmer doesn't know that about the soybean thing. There is the problem that the average um, consumer doesn't they don't go look for like the Joe Rogans and stuff. Like the fact that it's getting pushed into the news is a good thing because the more the more they publicize it, the more it will make the people who don't pay attention to that curious and and push them in that direction. But like even for his big episodes, it's uh I think he's had some that have had like 100 million downloads, but his average is 11 million and you know when you look at the total population stats that's kind of a drop in the bucket you know but uh it is encouraging that these mainstream news sources even though they're considerably smaller platforms than him they'll start pushing the the more normie types who haven't previously looked for that stuff 
they'll start pushing them in that direction. So they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of hurt. They're shooting themselves in the foot with this tactic. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. If anything, just to see how ridiculous the Joe Rogan podcast is, then they're going to watch it and be like, wow, this is uh this isn't anything that they made it out to be. And, and to your point, the, the inside baseball thing, that's exactly why they come up with all these asinine explanations for the market. You can't really go into, you know, support and resistance technical analysis on CNBC at 830 in the morning and expect people to watch it. You know, it's just what's the what's a, you know, uh, you know, like the explanation you can give a seal and they'll clap for it. It's like, oh, Trump did this or, oh, uh Neil Young took this uh, off of Spotify and that's why it's like, what, what can we just give these people as like the, you know, the dumbest explanation that they can digest without having to know anything, without having to do any research, they can just hear it in passing and be like, Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And go on with their lives and think that they have the answer. So it looks like fact checking their statistics since about. So it was all of last year. It said January through December, 2021. That's about as dishonest as they could possibly get. Around April, mid-April of 2021, the stats flipped. Uh, it had been from running from November, December, when the vaccine first came out, uh, The which obviously, because of the number of people who get the vaccine, I mean, the, these numbers make sense. We, we shouldn't try to read, in, read any more into them than than just, you know, they are in the numbers. But around mid-April of 2021, the number of hospitalized COVID patients who had been vaccinated exceeded the number who had been unvaccinated. And until very recently, like at the end of, right here at the end of 20, uh, 2021, going into January, the the gap was pretty significant. Like there was quite a few more, a lot more vaccinated than unvaccinated hospitalized for COVID. Like the gap narrowed uh, going into January, but it was a pretty significant gap. So like everything about that that table that they showed was just completely dishonest. Yeah, they must be putting in some really bizarre controls on there. And even if you know, how do you explain Israel? If, if the you know if the vaccine is so effective they're on their fourth booster shot and they're having a ton more people uh vaccinated people being hospitalized it's it, it they also play off this you know this very self-centered you know centric u.s centric mentality that americans have like the rest of the world doesn't really exist as far as we're concerned so it's just the u.s like this is all we care about um, they're doing the same thing over in Israel, but like 90% of their population is vaccinated and they're having a really big fucking time, a hard time with the, uh, with the Omicron variant. And they have been having with every booster, they're having, you know, very little success. Let's see. This was talked about by, uh, Dale Bigtree on, uh, on Pete Quinones' show around this time last year, uh, that, something that he had concerns about with thinking about these vaccines and kind of the way they function was that as more variants come out, it's going to be harder for those who have received the vaccine to recover from the variants because it, because the, the, the technology behind the vaccine kind of sets you up to be specifically protected against one spike protein, but then it makes it 
it makes it, it in effect weakens your immune system against other spike proteins and the uh, like the different. So as variants start to occur, and this was something that that was included in some of the uh, some of the early coronavirus vaccine testing that was done in animals from 2010 uh, going forward before the all of those trials were completely scrapped because they were such monumental failures um, was that anytime anytime variants were introduced to the vaccinated animals uh, death rates like shot way up yeah and I mean, that is a concern that it's fucking with your immune system, to put it in layman's terms, and making it harder for you to not only fight off future variants, but other, you know, viruses and things that could cause uh, you harm in the future, not related to COVID-19. And well, like the flu kind of the flu and RSV and all that kind of disappeared. And now we have these vaccines. And now we're seeing those come back, like with a vengeance. Like, so it, yeah, like that, that. that you know, correlation is not causation, but, uh, or correlation is not causation, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, a little bit concerning that the two are going hand in hand. Like now that we have rampant vaccines, we are also starting to see, uh, flu and RSV and, and a lot of that stuff come back in full force in ways that it was not last year. And whether it was a reporting thing or what, uh, like it, it seemingly, even if it was reporting everything as COVID and nothing as the flu, it still didn't seem like it was as bad of a flu season. It was, it was predominantly uh, COVID driven, like, and, and RSV specifically, like you didn't hear anything about RSV last year. And now that is really taken off. Yeah. Yeah. And at a minimum, it's something to be concerned about some, you know, it's a question we should be asking because none of these drugs were tested over the long term, uh, they rushed these things to market. They abandoned all of the typical protocols for bringing a drug to market. Um, and, and now we're talking, uh, speaking of uh, vaccines, we're not even just going from five-year-olds on up. Pfizer is, has just come out and they expect vaccines for children starting at six months, between six months and five years old within weeks after handing, they've handed over the data to the FDA, they're expecting the FDA to approve this within a matter of weeks. And then they want to start giving this shit to fucking infants, six month olds, uh, for, uh, in, you know, for the rest of their life, I guess. I don't know. What, what are the fucking repercussions of that? And especially like that developmental time, like, isn't, you know, infancy to five years when you develop like a lot of these fucking antibodies and shit? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm no doctor, but I don't know what we, if we should be giving stuff to six month olds. So that something, that's really been like, something that's been like scientifically proven is that exposing is that kids being exposed to certain environmental factors and just getting sick and like naturally, like kids are supposed to, you know, like you and I did when we were kids going out getting sick, getting dirty, getting scraped up. Uh, it, it builds up your immune system and something that has been like, like peanut allergies have become rampant over the last like 20 years in kids. And it's because of the way that um, parents are sheltering their kids from certain stuff, from certain stuff. It's, it's creating this environment where your immune system doesn't, uh, doesn't build up a tolerance to stuff. It, it's not used to stuff. So then when you do get exposed to it, 
you develop a, an, an allergic reaction to it or your body can't process it. They, right. If yeah. we're going to start introducing all of this or, or some you know new experimental vaccine into the formidable years of when de- your immune system is supposed to be developing and you're supposed to be building up the natural immunities and tolerances to a lot of this stuff, let's just circumvent nature. Fuck it, right? Like, yeah. you're gonna what, are we, doing, what are we doing to our kids? Dependent. Yeah, you're going to be a lot more dependent on the Pfizer's of the world to give you something that your body could fight off naturally. I mean, this is not complicated or rocket science. It's like everything else. It's like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it atrophies. You know, it's like going into space for a couple of years or something, doing push-ups in space. You're not going to be able to lift anything when you're done because there's no resistance there. You haven't had to fight against anything. And yeah, I I can only imagine what all these paranoid parents are doing to their kids now and their infants, wiping them down with, you know, spraying them with fucking Lysol and shit every two seconds and wiping them down constantly and keeping them in these like protective bubbles where nothing can get to them. The the repercussions of that, like we've never raised kids like that before in the history of mankind. And we've done pretty well up to this point. I mean, there's been, you know, a plague here and there. But, you know, I, I, there's just no way of knowing the repercussions of, of giving this to a six month old. And I just think it's fucking sick. It is sick to push that on these little kids. Well, and all of the, the masking and the social distancing and the isolating, keeping kids at home, keeping kids out of school, keeping kids out of daycares and stuff like that. Um, there is some uh, speculation that that is in some way related to the rise in rsv because that's that's been the rsv cases have been like spiking and a lot of that has been in children um because they're not being exposed to the things that they should be to build up a naturally healthy immune system so yeah well and thankfully children are not really at risk for cope for complications from COVID 19 you know this article i have up here it, I'll, I'll share my screen again. I'm doing a lot of screen sharing here, but you got to see these charts. They're fucking hilarious. Like this is um, this is what we're vaccinating six month old against. You can't even see them on the chart here. They're a blip on the radar versus people over 85. Um, and this is worldwide down here in blue. This is the U.S. in black. You know, zero to 14 is basically zero. 15 to 24 is zero. 25 to 34 is zero. 35 to 44, it like goes up a little bit. And then you just get this exponential rise as soon as you get over the age of 65. Yeah, basically, if you're under 50, you are you have virtually no risk. Yeah. And I mean, at least we know what the risks of COVID are um, for the most part. I mean, I suppose in theory, you know, 40 years from now, this virus could reemerge, you know, like shingles or something. But um, I, I, we have no idea what these um, vaccines are going to do, especially when you're giving it to a six month old in perpetuity, because it, we know for a fact that even if it is effective, it's effective for a very short window of time, six months, maybe. So a six month old who's only been alive for six months, half their life. <laughs> so like every, every half of their fucking life, they got to get ejected. And then six months after that for the rest of their lives, that is insane. I, I couldn't imagine any parent being okay with that. Um, and there's going to be a lot of them. I, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of people. I, Oh, thank God. I can't wait for this vaccine to come out for six months old so I can protect them. 
And man, look at what you're protecting them against. This is the chart here on my screen. Uh, they would be in the zero to 14 category here, um, which is virtually a zero. This, these are deaths per capita. Um, so the they shouldn't even they shouldn't even have the zero to 14 colored in at all. <laughs> there right. should be nothing there. It should be the flat line. Yeah. Yeah. And so statistic statistically, no it is closer to zero than it is to anything above zero. <laughs> that's what we're vaccinating is. And that's like the risk to reward benefit. Just I don't see how it could be there. I mean, you're, you're talking about a 99.9% chance of survival versus like a 99.99 chance of survival if you get vaccinated and boosted constantly, apparently. And then you have the, the side effect, the possible side effects from that, which younger people do tend to have more adverse reactions to these vaccines for whatever reason, if they have a more active immune system, that could be one possible explanation. We don't know, I guess, for a fact, you know, for sure what's causing it, but we do know that they tend to have more adverse reactions than older adults. And older adults are clearly at more of a risk to COVID-19. So I can see 85 year old, hey, look at all these 85 year olds that are dying. Maybe it makes sense to get vaccinated. Look at there's no problem over there. There's no emergency. There's certainly no emergency. And that's what kind of authorization it's going to get emergency authorization from the end. And that's what, and that's what all of these doctors who have been on Rogan uh, have said, like Peter McCullough and Robert Malone and all of them, all of them have said older, the older population should probably be getting vaccinated that even though they like, Every one of them is vaccinated. All of the doctors that he's had on, right? They are yeah. vaccinated. They're not these anti-vax kooks. They're they're explaining the science of it. But if you actually talk about real science and not the COVID pseudoscience, that you know the trusted narrative science, then you're a conspiracy theorist or a nut job or whatever. And like uh, Jay Bhattacharya and all of the other doctors of the the great Barrington Declaration, like that's that's the stuff that they've been saying as well. Like they get played off as these kooks because they said lockdowns were a bad thing, and that was pretty thoroughly proven to be true. And and they've been, but they've been saying the same thing. If you're older and if you're an at risk part of portion of the population, then you should probably getting vaccinated, uh, be getting vaccinated. And if you're not, then you you know it's a personal choice, and whether you do or don't is up to you. But like it shouldn't be mandated. It should be do you feel exactly. like your level of risk exactly is, right. is at yeah. that point? And the, the risk reward is completely flipped when you go from, you know, zero to five years old and 85 plus it's like, okay, I could legitimately die from this. Uh, th if this could help me versus like the minor risks, you know, that, that the vaccine presents to me, that risk reward makes sense. When you do the math on that, when, when you have the complete opposite situation, uh, it just does not make, I, I can't see anyone making the case for kids getting vaccinated. And by the way, speaking of Joe Rogan, he had Sanjay Gupta on. That's the like the lead guy, right? He's the one that's going to make the case. Did anybody listening to that think he made a compelling case for kids getting vaccinated? I mean, he had, no, he had literally nothing. It's like, yeah. oh, well, you'll be, maybe they will be more protected. You could more tell. Against what? There's nothing happening to them. Yeah, you could tell which one of the doctors that came on Rogan's show was actually a doctor and which one was just a CNN correspondent who poses as a doctor. Because Gupta had no actual statistics or anything to really back anything he was saying. Like he 
his his entire everything was to push the corporately approved narrative. He didn't he didn't have he didn't bring anything to back him to back anything he said. Like all, all of the others, McCullough and and Malone, uh, they actually had information and details and right specifics yeah. and like that's what i was making that point on the, i think on the last podcast where it's like dude we can pull up charts like the one we just looked at um we can you know point to actual you know studies that have been done and places that have done you know various treatment options and and different approaches to things and we can look at it and you know we can come up with explanations to back up our theories on things they've got virtually nothing they've got platitudes Masks yeah. work. Wear a damn mask. Like follow the science. It's just, it's just, it's meaningless platitudes that that people have been just propagandized and programmed to repeat, repeat after me. It, it yeah. oh man, it's. I feel I feel very very concerned for the youth uh, of America going forward. This is that. It's also coming at a time when like hopefully you know this Omicron thing is is done. Um, I, I can't, I just can't see mandating vaccines for six month olds and up. That's basically like, I don't think you can get vaccinated before that. Right. Six months is like the, the very fucking bare minimum. You can start injecting your kid with things. I think they do give some shots at birth, but I'm not sure what for. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea, but you would know better than me, but man, that's, that is something that's uh, very concerning, if you ask me. And I'm not a parent, but man, I, I don't think I would want to be the the guinea pig for this, or have my kid be the guinea pig for this this drug that the FDA is going to look at it for two weeks and then approve it for tens of millions of children um, to just take in perpetuity. That that would scare the bejesus out of me as a parent. I have uh, brainwashed my kids into my way of thinking enough that they are adamantly opposed to pretty much anything and everything that involves them getting a shot of some sort. So there you go. All right. Well, I, I think we're uh, coming up here on time. Did you have anything else you needed to get off your chest? No, we pretty thoroughly covered that one. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll start to see because like you said, Omicron is kind of starting to wane. Uh, we'll get to find out what the new, pandemic is going to be here over the next yeah. month or so i i guess because they can't they can't keep they can't keep running with the covid narrative forever like granted we've been saying that for a fucking year and a half so who knows but like it's gotta it's gotta come to an end sometime and oh it, it feels like it's getting close they have squeezed an awful lot of fucking juice from this apple or whatever that's saying it's like it's like how does that saying go? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but they've they've really fucking wrung this rag dry. I don't know. I, I can't. They've gotten every drop out of this, and there's. I don't see how much farther they can go. And I think that's why more and more people are being drawn to the Joe Rogans of the world because they're starting to catch on that they've been fucking bamboozled into believing all of this stuff. And nobody wants to do this shit in perpetuity except Fauci apparently but he's also like 80 years old so what the fuck does he have to you know these are all old people i think that are just afraid for themselves and worst wanna... worst most deadly virus in the world ever all of the actual villains who are 80 years old in washington dc didn't die yeah right <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if it actually fucking took out all these old 
fucking politicians that we've been seeing since like the seventies. Jesus Christ, man. Like 15 years before I was fucking born, Maxine Waters was there making the same retarded arguments. And then Joe Biden was still there, you know, pointing at people, challenging them to push up contests. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Anyway, I guess we'll we'll wrap on that. I wish COVID would actually take was was deadlier when it came to politicians. It's unfortunate, very unfortunate that we're still going to have to deal with these people. And uh, <laughs> that'll probably get me taken off of another platform. But maybe Justin will edit that out in post. If not, um, thank you all so very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Become a supporting listener of the show by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and get into the happy hour group. We'll be doing that on Friday, this Friday, 6.30 Central Standard Time. I will send out the email as usual, but go make a recurring monthly donation. We'll get you into that group and we can drink together every other Friday. And if you guys can do all that for me, we'll be back later this week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.